Hello everyone and welcome back. This is the 57th episode of AIR, an interview podcast series with a different theme each episode. A bit of housekeeping before we get started today. As usual, you can find AIR on Instagram at at underscore AIR podcast, as well as on Patreon at patreon.com slash AIR podcast. Don't forget we also have a semi-regular Substack newsletter, which I send out occasionally to muse on the month's episode. You can find a link to the newsletter in the description below. Thanks to all those new readers who subscribed following last month's episode with Isolé. I hope this kind of realness is resonating with you. It is July already, which means it is well and truly summer, the start of everyone's favorite festival season. I was so happy to be invited to London's Gala Festival, which took place in May on Peckham Rye Common. Together we collaborated on this month's episode featuring one of London's most exciting musicians and composers, Nubaya Garcia. Born in London, Nubaya is not only a saxophonist, but also a composer and a band leader, having first taken up the saxophone at the age of 10. Her time spent with youth music workshops like Tomorrow's Warriors was a formative experience for her as a young person, thriving in a community of like-minded souls, a necessity in jazz music which finds its heart in collaboration. Despite that, or perhaps because of it, Nubaya has nevertheless found her own voice in jazz, with albums like Source speaking to her triumphant rhythms, her openness, and her expressive energy. It was an absolute pleasure to hear her play at Gala Festival in May, just after our interview and before the sunset over London on one of those rare sunny weekends. She played at the main stage and gathered such an incredibly spirited and massive crowd. A true treat to experience this kind of live instrumentation at a festival which also boasts a stellar lineup of DJs and electronic music acts. Gala's artistic curation this year was so joyful, looking beyond that kind of heads down techno darkness to a lineup that reminded us all why we love music festivals. So thanks to Gala for the invite and thank you to Nubaya for this conversation all about jazz, collaboration, and finding your voice. Thank you so much for joining me here at Gala Festival. 
Uh, I'm really looking forward to your set later today. How are you feeling about it? Nervous, excited? I'm excited. Um, happy to be back. We were here last year mm -hmm. and this is one of the only London festivals, if not the only London festival that I'm doing this year. So I'm really excited to just go and do our thing. What is the moment like when you get on stage and you're ready to play? I've done a couple interviews with all different kinds of performers and I hear a lot about like there's this sort of magic in the moment just before you start playing. So what is that like for you? Yeah, you know, it's just, it's exciting. It's just you're, you know, raring to go, ready. And you're just like, okay, well, let's go. The crowd's there at the beginning waiting. So you just got to go and give it from second one. Is it different at a festival than it would be at like a regular 100%. Yeah. So what's the difference? I think at a festival, like the quick changeover, you don't um, have sound check in the daytime to get used to the sound and comfortable and like set up the way that you usually do like at festivals you just do the best with the time that you have mm -hmm. and usually it's like you know pretty on point um but it's just it's more about like the kind of energy and kind of whole overall festival experience that you're a part of rather than being in a club where you know mm -hmm. people have come to see just you yeah um and you know you get to take your time you get to have a kind of different sort of journey mm -hmm. let's say i think at a festival when it's such a short set um yeah you just you, everything is condensed let's just say that festivals yeah. are more condensed it's more um you have different points of like kind of transcendence in that kind of moment because you're only playing 40 minutes so how is that sort of impacting you are you kind of having to just like make everything shorter or are you still going to try and take your time a little bit as you mentioned i think it's a bit of both yeah. like obviously yeah we do a 90 minute show usually sometimes more so it really is about being purposeful of how much you're going to play, when you're going to play it, mm. still adding shape to your set in the best way that you can with less than half the usual time. It's part of being a performer and a, uh, an artist. You've just got to like fold into the um, situation that you're in, you know, mm. in the best way that you can. But I love doing both. Has it been a bit of a learning curve for you, learning how to, you know, do a festival set in this different time frame in this different setting as well? Yeah, I guess so. I wouldn't. I think I would say I was pretty used to it now. Like we've done quite a few years of of all kinds of different types of festivals. Mm -hmm. um, you know, crossover festivals versus jazz festivals are very different. Jazz festivals, you might get someone doing ninety minutes or an hour or mm -hmm. something, and it wouldn't be out of the norm. Um, crossover festivals, I think the energy and the momentum is just like more intense. More intense, yeah. moving forward at an alarming rate. So you just kind of got to keep it up there and make the time that you have on stage yours. You know, and just keep the day moving it's not just about you it's the whole lineup that day it's the whole lineup on that festival so how do you fit in what's coming next it's kind of like a dj set if you want mm -hmm. you know what are you leaving and energy wise on stage and what are you entering mm -hmm. um, energy wise on stage so in a past interview you talked about how no matter the setting whether it's a festival or a small jazz club you're always trying to just be as present as possible to really kind of channel yourself so can you speak a bit about that and how you achieve that sort of presence that seems really essential to what you're doing. Yeah, 100%. I think, um, I guess the most useful beginning stage is to talk, you know? Like, I know some people find that quite nervous, mm -hmm. nerve-wracking rather, but like, I don't. It's, you get to play music for people, but like, you can also talk to them, you can invite them into another version of your world. It doesn't have to just be like you and them. It mm -hmm. can be all of you together, so... I think that is a big part of being present in the moment, you know, checking in with everyone, seeing how everyone's doing. Is it raining? Is it boiling hot sun? Like, mm -hmm. comment, on, comment on that, you know, like just bring things into joyful presence. It's funny that you mentioned like 
some people are quite nervous about that. And sometimes I sort of think about it's really crazy that some people just don't have that barrier that holds them back from being nervous about those things. Um, so has it, have you always been that type of person? That no, just got that? I've also been doing this a while. So yeah. I think, um, yeah, you know, like I'm talking years ago, it would be like, oh my God, I have to talk. You still have to do it. Do you yeah. know what I mean? You still have to trip up over your words or like make a mistake or like have a blank in your brain it's mm -hmm. really not that deep like you're just a person they're just a person they're just people sorry so I think if everyone just gets to see your humanity then like everyone's just better for it <laughs> yeah I know what you mean like when I first started doing interviews I did get that sort of nervousness but like you said it's really important to just remember that people are just people at the end of the day you know what I mean exactly and it's like part of the musical conversation you're having with everyone like okay. just use your words if you can I interviewed the great saxophonist Sonny Rollins and he told me that when yeah he was amazing um and but he told me that when he plays he gets this feeling of like being part of something bigger because it really means something for him to be able to share his music with people um, so is that sort of also what you meant by being present, like this universe, universality or universal sort of moment? Yeah, you're pouring into something else, you know what I mean? And that's kind of the collective energy, um, which, you know, is really important to me. I think it's it's always exciting to arrive into a new situation. And by that, I mean, like a new energetic field, you know, right. you get to kind of just be a part of that. And I think that's it's a huge privilege, you know what I mean? And people do it in different ways. Um, in their life and I'm very grateful that this is the way that I do it you know. Has music or maybe musical performance always had that sort of reverence for you like obviously it's really fun to play but I wonder if it's always been about that kind of connection for you. Definitely about the connection I think um, definitely been always great to play sometimes more nerve-wracking than others but I think just learning to enjoy it, you know, and enjoy the fact that there's no right or wrong or like perfect or not perfect, like mistakes teach you things. You know, how many people have said there's no such thing about a mistake, it's how you respond to it and react to it to make it fit into what you're doing. You can always do that. That's a beautiful thing about music. I mean, talking about like making mistakes or I guess having those sort of nerve wracking moments, has it been a process for you to kind of accept that, that those human moments happen? Definitely a process, I think. Um, just like with anything, it's like a, it's a learning curve, do you know what I mean? Um, that we get to be a part of. Like, I would never want to be stagnant forever, not learning anything, not mm -hmm. contributing anything. So I think it's really special to notice where you used to be, where you are and where you might be in the future. Is that what helps you when you're, I don't know, maybe you're on stage and something goes wrong or you're having that kind of worry? Is that sort of what helps you to remember why you're doing this? You're not there for worry. You're there to do like a beautiful creative thing and yeah, things will kind of fly in and fly out and affect you. But like, if you're really into the vein of the music, then that's actually the most important thing. So worry is not really anything to do with that. I love that.
talking about this feeling of universality or I guess like being part of something bigger yeah. do you think that also has to do with the fact that you're playing with a band and like working with other people to make this craft of performance um I guess I'm thinking about something more like DJing which is I guess quite a solo sort of mission um do you think that is a contributing factor yeah definitely I love to play with people and my band specifically like I love to know and imagine and see right in front of me what we're going to create together and then reflect on it afterwards you know I think it's part of the journey as well it's like okay I think we're going to do this let's do this Mm -hmm. and then something else happens and you're like well that was meant to happen do you know what I mean I think it's a it's a beautiful collective process to be a part of. Have you been working with your band for a long time? Yeah really long time (laughs) um a mixture of years, I guess, I've known most of my band since we were like 17, maybe 18. Um, and then met a few other people who come and play with us sometimes along the way. Um, and it just feels really beautiful to be a part of that community. Does it happen quite naturally, like meeting people that you bring into your circle? Is it just sort of from playing playing out and getting those connections in real life yeah it's that it's like it's meeting people it's playing it's going to other gigs and being like wow I really love the way that you play mm-hmm. you know and, and thinking of them again if you need someone for that particular instrument on a day or whatever or in the studio and you're just like oh, well come through let's see what happens and let's see if we you know share a similar musical language that we can have a conversation in does it happen often that it works or maybe it happens often that it doesn't work everything so far as works. <laughs> like I guess I'm blessed or um more than that I'd say everyone is incredibly talented um that I've worked with and continue to work with so it's it's really incredible to be surrounded by such inspiring musicians so mm-hmm. to to continue to invite that in is the real goal. Do you ever struggle with the fact that jazz music is by nature a collaborative experience or is it something that you thrive off of? It sounds like you thrive off of it. I think thrive, yeah. Like I th- You can have solo moments and collect- collective moments. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's, like I said, it's part of the journey. Like I'm not really one or the other. It's not so binary for me. I was speaking with uh, Anna Roxanne, who's an ambient artist, but she used to be a jazz singer and she told me that for her, pursuing that just felt started getting a bit frustrating because you need to be working with people or you need to be collaborating and you have sort of less, maybe not less control, but like everything is down to the people that you're working with. Um, so what is that for you? Like, does that ever get, I don't know, frustrating and you just kind of want to do something on your own or have a bit more control over things? Well, like control wise I don't really think like that I mean I write everything myself and then I bring it to everyone and we do it (laughs) that's kind of and it grows and it develops and it continues to over years and years and years you know that's part of what I love about it like I had this idea and then I put it to paper and then you know I took it into the rehearsal room or the studio and then we did it and then we take it on tour and then it changes and then maybe we re-record it because we can <laughs> and then you know next thing you know it's five five years down the line you're like wow I can't believe how much this tune has changed but that's part of you know the way that I was brought up within the genre and idiom of jazz you know everything is constantly evolving you never hear um, the great legends like Sonny Rollins and, and many more um, do the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's like real beauty and joy and purpose in how can I make this grow? And even if you intend to do it the same way that you did it before, like it's never going to be that way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I always say on stage, this is only going to be like this once. Like enjoy it in terms of like enjoy being a part of this experience as an audience member. You're enjoying being a part of this experience with you 
showing you where we're at right now. Like this diary entry of the music is what it is. Sounds like a lot of freedom involved that maybe you wouldn't get with like, I don't know, maybe less so with electronic music. Yeah, I, yeah, maybe. I think there's there's places that you can have the same freedom within electronic music, maybe just in a different way. I think all music has freedom. It's just where you feel it lies. Uh-huh. You know, there's many different parameters for that, I think. Uh-huh. Um, you mentioned sort of getting an idea and putting it to paper and then bringing it to a group. And I wonder how it's been for you um, to sort of have that trust in yourself, you know, that your ideas are good and having to say your ideas to other people. It's something that I really struggle with, actually, having the maybe not like courage, but just the confidence, I guess, to say your idea out loud to people and have them sort of respond to it. So what has that been like for you? Um, I think it just takes time, just like with anything. Like, I think at the beginning, it was like, oh, what is this? Is it any good? But like, it's not, there's no point in that, you know, like you can always make something um, beautiful, like everything has beauty in a way. And even if you don't want it to like be quote unquote beautiful, whatever that means to you, it is, it exists, Mm -hmm. you know, you plucked it out of your brain. (laughs) So I think you should enjoy the fact that you created something and then you get to continue creating it with yourself and other people in whichever form you're doing it solo or otherwise you know yeah these days I'm like yeah I'll have the fleeting moments of like oh maybe this sucks but then I'm trying to remind myself like it's not really about that who said it sucks what does that mean yeah. actually the judgment is unnecessary it doesn't mean that you shouldn't want to improve and work on what you're doing and you know improve your creative practice and develop your creative practice but if we're just talking about music and creative art whatever your creative art is the sole purpose is to make something mm-hmm has music always been about working with your peers, coming together and building something with people rather than, I guess, I don't know, sort of toiling away on your own and like having your ideas be your own for a while until you sort of d- decide to bring them out? It's a bit of both. Like sometimes I do sit with things for like way too long and then you overthink it and it's just like boring. So you put them <laughs> away and you come back to them when you're ready. Like I think the key is just having a bit more patience in every realm of what we do I think it's very hard in this world to be a patient person totally (laughs) that's my goal of this season (laughs) slow lifestyle joining tomorrow's warriors and sort of finding yourself in a group of fellow musicians 
is where you started to really feel seen and heard for the first time. Um, and that was a really pivotal moment for you. Do you want to talk about that a bit? Yeah, it was incredible. Like, I think I joined when I was about 17 and just to meet like-minded young people from London. And it wasn't just Londoners, but like mainly from London. So we had a shared experience um was yeah pretty pivotal and life-changing pivotal is a great word mm -hmm. because you know we just shared so many styles of music together we went to gigs together we practiced together we did um these sessions together and we just like fed each other i would say and were being fed by our kind of mentors and and um group leaders but we just had uh, common like things in common and i think that really bound us together in a very beautiful way and taught us a lot and continues to teach us like we learn from each other and I really enjoyed that process of feeling like I had a community yeah it's interesting like for me I've been doing the journalism thing for a while but I feel like I only just started to sort of find a, a journalist community in Berlin where mm. where I live um, and it has helped just in terms of like being able to not only bounce ideas off of people, but also tell people what I'm struggling with and have them say, I'm struggling with that too. Is that something that you definitely with? I yeah. mean, the music industry is, I don't even have a word to describe it. <laughs> but like, I think it's so important to, in whatever field you're, you're doing and creating in and living, to have someone that, you know, helps validate your experiences and helps you feel like, you know, it's it's not just you going through something. That right. is one of the most powerful tools that we have in community, I think. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned um, that being part of this community taught you a lot. So maybe you can give me an example of how that sort of community um, community lifestyle, I guess, taught you something about being a musician in your own right. I think seeing other people perform, seeing their strengths, being like, okay, this is possible. Um, I wonder how I can, you know, feel like I can, st whatever it may be, like write music in this particular way or explore this particular way of writing music or creating um, or doing a performance in this way or playing in a particular place or, you know, there's so many things that I've learned by watching my peers mm. um, and kind of just also like being incredibly joyful that they're doing things at the best at the best of their ability like, mm -hmm. I think that's really beautiful to watch people you love and care about um succeed succeed and excel you know mm -hmm. you've also talked a bit about how it doesn't mean like more or less to you to be a band leader or be a side person or be a solo musician like all of the roles are sort of all part of being a musician um can you elaborate a bit on that like realizing that you know communicating in all of these different ways is essential to just who you are as an artist yeah I think um obviously like back in the day before I was band leading it felt like a crazy thing to do like oh I can never do that but slowly and surely <laughs> um you learn you know you have to step into it and try before you say I can't do something otherwise you're just talking out of fear mm -hmm. um and yeah I think they are all like similar sides of the same coin mm -hmm. they all inform each other like the way that you communicate as each of those roles like informs how you bring yourself to the next role you know mm -hmm. or whatever and allows you to kind of exist with less ego I think in the music world which is only a good thing. Mm -hmm. You mentioned uh, thinking that you couldn't be a band leader so what was it like for you the first time going on stage in that role? Uh, I absolutely hated it <laughs> but then I got into it do you know what I mean it was just like it was something new it was like 
and this was a very very long time ago I was like 21 um <laughs> and it just felt like huge and scary and like oh my god what if I mess up but also like I'm just around my friends it doesn't really there is no like huge hole in the ground that's gonna swallow me up when things go wrong like it's just it's it should just feel like take a breath mm-hmm. and continue mm-hmm. do you know what sometimes I feel like doing things in front of my friends is actually more scary than doing things in front of a regular audience I just gave a wedding speech a couple of weeks ago and I was like looking out onto a crowd yeah. of just my friends it was it was a lot yeah it is a lot I think you're right about that well it's also like people that you care about and yeah. cares, cares about they want to see you do well like mm-hmm. most people in the world like really want to see you like um you know just elevate and live as you want to live like in whatever you're doing so they are rooting for you like I think it's just important to remember like you need to root for yourself also everyone around you is rooting for you so like what can what can happen (laughs) (laughs) what's the worst that could happen yeah it's really that like I think it's just and this is like I'm obviously been doing this for a minute so this has come with a lot of time I'm very glad to be in this time where it's like okay Let's just take each day as it comes, you know what I mean? And so what was the setting for that first time being a band leader? So I was in um, the Royal Albert pub in Deptford that used to run these uh, nights, Good Evening Arts, on Sundays. And you'd do a set of um, jazz standards and then you'd open up for the jam. So I think I played at the jam one time and then the... um, person who ran the nights and put them on and organized it all Tom Sankey was like oh you should come and do one and I was like no thank you um I was trying to be more like okay just step into things say yes don't always like say no and um so that was the first time I did it you know and it was around the corner from my house and it was with a bunch of uni friends at Trinity and a mixture of that and Tomorrow's Warriors came down and it was just chill like it was yeah it was nerve-wracking and scary and you know you're like kind of got pins and needles and stuff but like it was fine Mm -hmm. it was really fine I guess like if you lose that feeling of it being nerve-wracking having that sort of nerves before you go on I reckon you're a bit bored maybe Mm, exactly
going back to this sort of collective experience, um, does the fact that jazz music performance is so often a collective experience, does that impact how you're thinking about, you know, composing uh, or writing music, but every other aspect of it, is it all kind of connected in that way? Um, I think that for me, I don't really know. I think it is definitely connected in a way, but so much of what I write is solo at the moment. So it's kind of like hearing and imagining what the other part's going to do. And then when we're all together, it's like, okay, I kind of heard this. Can you play this and let me hear how it sounds? Or like, here's a whatever it may be, the chords or the beat that I want it to be. Let's try and mold it in something that works and fits as, as we are real people. Mm-hmm. I guess you're depending a lot on other people being sort of willing to contribute in the same way that you are. That makes sense. Yeah, well, you just have to be like quite clear. I think mm-hmm. as a band leader, like, okay, let's try this now. Okay, I'm not really into that. Can you try something like this? Or come with references. Like, I really like this part of the beat on this track. Or I don't know, like, the vibe of this, whatever it may be, like specific or vague energy, or you know, a bit more detailed. Um, so that helps people latch onto something mm-hmm. without it being like no you're doing it wrong right like this is exactly (laughs) like you've missed like this isn't exactly how it's meant to be and it's like you can just shape things as you go and some things do demand um you to be more specific Mm -hmm. but like I think you can always you get to try out different things in the moment I think that's such a beautiful part of composition when you have the time and the people and the space to do that mm-hmm. um, that's a lot of variables though <laughs> yeah I don't mind it you know I'm, I'm quite good at making decisions when I want to be I mean do you have to sort of find the balance between being like the like the leader and also letting go a bit so that other people can kind of have a voice yeah definitely I think one thing about you know yeah jazz and create Im- improvised music in general is that um it's improv impro- like we've learned to improvise that's how we came up um and improvising in jazz standards where you know you've got a very clear structure the harmony set out everything is like this but like you mold it in your way whether you start to reharm it or go into a different feel or whatever like there's so um much that you can do that makes you i think gives you the skills to hear that in everything mm-hmm. which i think is really positive and great I was going to ask if it ever was a struggle for you to kind of find your voice within all of that, but it sounds like that's not the case. I mean, to be honest, I don't know. It, it's, it's still in motion. <laughs> it will be in motion forever. So some, I'm sure there'll be some seasons where I'm like, oh, I'm not really sure where this should go or could go or whatever, but you'll get there eventually. Or when the tune or the piece of music is ready to be finished and composed and evolved to the next stage then it's ready mm-hmm. if it's like a real you're beating your head against the wall it's not ready yet and that's mm-hmm. fine it doesn't have to be ready i want to talk a bit about your album source um because i guess that was sort of a big step for you in showcasing your growth as an artist mm-hmm. um can you tell me a bit about that yeah i guess i was writing those tunes for quite a while whilst we were on tour which was quite challenging um but it also yeah, it gave, gives you like extreme focus when you don't have very much time or mm-hmm. you're, you're you're like, okay, we've got these two days off, we're going to go into the studio and do X, Y, Z. So everything has to come like ready in a way. Um, but yeah, for me, I think it was a really incredible process of just like seeing how I could mold my voice into something that felt like one, you know, with lots of different influences. Sometimes you can think like, oh, does it sound 
like I'm hopping around or whatever. And mm-hmm. I think because it's you, you're going to make it feel as one. Was that mid-pandemic when you were w- working on it? No, so, this no. was before, before we okay. released it in the pandemic. Re- oh, how was that? <laughs> I don't even know. I can't I can't even remember. It was <laughs> traumatic stress it was, disorder. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. Like, I mean, we couldn't do any gigs. Yeah. Like everything, the, the way that the music industry worked and every industry worked was absolutely dismantled and destabled, destabilized for a little bit. And so it was a pretty risky thing to do, but the way I see things is the music was ready long before it was released. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we delayed it a bit and waited a bit. And then I was just like, I don't want to hang on to this for another year. Yeah. And it would have been another two, <laughs> you know? So no one knew what was going on. No one knew when anything was going to end or what would happen after that. So in those things that are, there's no written future, like there's no written path. You just have to dive in and go with it and just learn as you go. But I think we did okay at the way that things rolled out. And yeah. I think I'm just, yeah, I'm really glad that my community showed up mm-hmm. and just tapped in. Previously, you talked about how some of your earlier releases felt like more of a sort of collection of ideas and that there wasn't as clear a narrative as there is on Source. Um, so what do you think brought on this transition to a more narrative, I guess, um, way of working or way of producing? Time. Yeah? Time, doing lots and lots of shows and seeing how you build a show and how you structure and structure the journey that you're going to go on sonically. That was a real direct learning from that, I think. Um, how am I going to create this narrative from start to finish? Where are the peaks going to be? Why are they going to be there? What What am I trying to create as a listening experience the same way that I create a listening experience when we're performing live? So I think, um, yeah, it was just intuition, I would say, a lot. And also even the order of the tracks on everything, like just moving it around, seeing how it fit. But there was there's always going to be one way that you want it. Mm-hmm. It's just about mm-hmm. finding that way. Do you yeah. know what I mean? In in terms of that thing anyway. And the tracks themselves, I think they were definitely, um, what's the word? They just, they came. Do you know what I mean? And we found our way to them in terms of like, we got to play some of them live, which was a perfect thing to do. I always love to do that if we can. We're doing that now, like a bunch of new stuff and occasionally we trickle them in the set and just see how it feels. Yeah. And they grow, like Source itself was the track that was on my previous EP, completely different. Mm -hmm. That's a real good example of how things can grow and change and like, oh, should we try this thing? I'm kind of hearing this on this this vibe. Let's go. Let's try that, whatever. And then see how it fits, see how it fits the next time. Okay, this is really growing into something. This is this is the basis of where we start from now. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? I was watching a video of yours on YouTube where you were talking a bit about your creative process and you sort of explained it like thinking about it. Do I like this? Yes. Move on to the next thing. Do I like this? And somehow that feels like a really interesting way of working and storytelling. Um, can you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's as simple as that. Like, I think um, I was just be continuously writing ideas developing older ones coming back to things and then seeing how I can piece either piece things together or be like okay what does this need next like kind of sitting with something and being like closing your eyes and just being like okay what am I imagining next Mm -hmm. and um taking your time to kind of feel that out like whether it's harmonically rhythmically you know melodically like there are so many different compositional styles that you can 
use that can lead you to where the tune needs to go for the moment that it's being written around or in. Sometimes it helps to have a story that you're trying to tell, even though there are no lyrics or like um, words to most of my music. It, it usually has like a kind of energy set so that I know what I'm working within mm -hmm. and towards. Can you tell me a bit about knowing how to trust yourself and your ideas and your decisions like that in terms of do I like this? Yes. Um, do you find that that's you've, you have those sort of questions about your creative creative process at all? I think I do, but I think I try to just remain open and try new things. Or if there's a little block around something, like why don't I try some another way of doing something? And that may not be what it ends up as, but it got you out of mm -hmm. that kind of like, there's so many options. What do yeah. I do? You yeah. know, it's like, okay, pick one, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> pick one and move with it. And that's the start. Like, I think writing anything and creating anything can be such a daunting task for anyone at any stage of what they're doing but like I think you just have to start mm -hmm. and it doesn't you don't need to think about the finish at the beginning you know like you want to finish strong like a race like you want to finish strong but allow yourself to just you have to start at some yeah point. you have to yeah. start and allow yourself to get into it and kind of like focus on every part of it enjoy the process as well like this is a really beautiful thing that you get to do um, you're taking something from inside yourself, like your creative brain, soul, spirit, and you get to see where it wants to go. So I think the judgment can be a really good thing, but it can also be a really bad thing. So I think you just have to, A, kind of see what kind of person you are. Like, are you beating yourself up about it? Mm -hmm. If you are, then like that <laughs> needs a bit of work. Yeah. But some people like that some people like to create from that panic or that mm. kind of dread or stress or whatever I like a deadline but also there's I think it's a really good thing to be able to continuously create and not wait for inspiration or anything that's the real tea you know if you're constantly waiting for inspiration that's fine but like you're not going to be inspired all the time mm -hmm. so if you want to be creating as much as you want to be creating whatever that means to you it's different for everyone then it's really about um, trying to just be a little less like, oh my God, this has to be the best thing I've ever done in my whole life. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's just going to be a thing. Do you think that that journey will always sort of be in flux for you? Like, I don't know, doing this discovery and rediscovery of yourself and what you like and what you're doing as an artist? Definitely. And I think... I'm excited about that. I think it can also help to collaborate when you want, when you need a bit of whatever you need, you know, even if you don't need anything. What I mean by that is like, it can be really useful to step outside of yourself and just have some time with other people and it will introduce you to so much about yourself and allow you to develop in a different way. You've been listening to Nubaya Garcia for AIR episode 57. We'll be back on the last Wednesday of the month, so check back in July for another episode. In the meantime, you can find AIR on Instagram at, at underscore AIR podcast, as well as on Patreon at patreon.com slash AIR podcast. You can also find our semi-regular Substack newsletter at airpodcast.substack.com. See you next month and thanks for listening. <laughs>